This series that you've got is, is just brilliant. Uh, you imagine yourself walking down this street um, in, in Luke's Gospel and stopping at various different houses along with it. Um, you're some way into this series, I think, now, aren't you? So you've had a, a couple, at least, uh, and that's great news. We, we get to a new house today. Um, Levi's house, um, or Matthew and Levi in, in church history and tradition have been associated, um, and so, yeah, I think it's advertised as, Ma- as Matthew's house. Just before this, um, we're right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So he's busy drawing people to himself, his disciples, um, inviting them to follow him. Uh, And he's also about the business of showing something of the kingdom of God. That this is not just some other rabbi. And in this culture, that was the standard norm. That people, would rabbis, would draw little groups of disciples around. Those who they would teach and lead. Jesus was not just some other rabbi. Here he was claiming to be the son of God. Here he was demonstrating something of God's kingdom to these people who, frankly, were some amazed, some cynical, and some, even at this early stage, asking some major questions, if not quite approaching murderous Jesus, before the bit that we've just heard read to us today, had done this most amazing miracle. Uh, maybe this was last week. Uh, the, the, this guy who was paralysed, um, who, because of the crowds, couldn't get to Jesus. So, so his friends took him onto the roof. You know the story really well. Um, opened up the roof and, and lowered him down so that he was right in front of Jesus. And Jesus, interestingly, before those gathered doesn't at least at first say, you're healed, get up. (laughs) He says, your sins are forgiven. Well, that's more controversial to certainly some of those gathered. The Pharisees, those lawmakers in a lawmaking sect that were um, uh, interpreting God's laws uh, in um, a very literal way and indeed adding more laws to God's laws as well. That's red rag to a bull to them. Who are you? Who are you to be going around telling people that their sins are forgiven? That's blasphemy, surely. You're claiming to be God. We look back, of course, and we kind of think precisely. But at the time, at the time, at the time, this was massive stuff. And then Jesus also says, so therefore, get up and walk. That is just before the bit that we've just read, where Jesus almost the next house along from there and then after that it says Jesus sees Levi in his tax booth. Now some of you will be more familiar than others I guess but um, the tax collectors um, were seen by most of those in Jewish society as traitors because effectively they were working for the empire that had taken their land that had held them captive And so as a result, anyone that was seen to be colluding or working with that empire, the Roman Empire, was very much seen as an outcast, a traitor. Some of the tax collectors, in fact, standard practice was to make sure that their own pockets were lined as well as Caesar's, so to speak. So even even more so that fellow countrymen were, were robbing their own people for the sake of the empire but also lining their own pockets. Suffice it to say that uh, a tax booth would not have been a popular place 
you wouldn't have headed for a tax booth. Um, uh, and actually, they would be on various roads that were in and out of important places. You'd have to go past them and pay tax as you went past them. Uh, and this is where Jesus finds Levi. He saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. There's not an awful lot of small talk that's reported in Luke's Gospel. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jesus. (laughs) How are you? Weather's beautiful today. Um, How's trade? (laughs) Nothing like that. Simple, straight at it. Follow me, Jesus says to him. Get, get the enormity of, of this call. Right? If, you, if, if you were going to go around and choose a faithful group of people who you thought would be good and malleable disciples, those that would learn with you and from you, that would walk the journey together, would be faithful and not leave you, wouldn't stab you in the back or reject... Of the people you would choose, pretty near the bottom of that list would be the tax collector sat in his tax booth on the edge of the road. Yet that is who Jesus goes directly to and says, follow me. I wonder who the Levi is in this place. I mean, although probably in some of these areas around the levels and in some of the rural areas, there might actually be little toll offices and little toll houses that are by the edge of roads. Once in a while, um, there's even the opportunity to give a small amount to a private road. Um, But it's not the normal practice these days to be finding people that are in toll booths charging you um, uh, necessarily, um, and particularly um, creaming some for themselves. That's, That's not normal. But, but who is the Levi? Who's the Levi in, in, in Five Head or in this part of Somerset or in your network, within your family, within the place where you work? Who is it that is almost the least expected, the, the roughest diamond, the one that you kind of think, oh gosh, it'd be so lovely if they knew Jesus, but frankly, you know that kind of thought, yeah? Who, 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 are those, who are those people in, in your life? We can't make a direct comparison, but it's along those lines. That's who Jesus went to. And when Jesus turned up and said, follow me, then in a matter-of-fact way, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. It's incredible. And in all of these stories of Jesus asking people to follow him and them responding in the affirmative, there is this sense of there is something overwhelming about this person that's invited them that means that they, they leave everything um, and they follow. In Levi's case, well, it was a reasonably lucrative little profession that almost certainly was um, seeing him right as far as his finances were concerned it gave him some level of social standing if not with his own people but with others other tax collectors and others within the empire and so that is what he is saying right this job i'm leaving that behind to follow jesus the next thing that we read is if you like the bit where the house 
down this street, the house we get to, is a street, I don't know whether you chose me to come this week on purpose, uh, is a street that we find a banquet. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I love it. Um, the first thing that Levi does when he responds to Jesus is he chucks a party. He gets a pile of his um, associates, a large crowd of tax collectors and others, all together in his house, this is Levi's house, and chucks a big party, a massive banquet for them. You can almost kind of hear what's being said here. Levi's saying to this bunch of people that, frankly, were not well-liked by certainly the authorities, the Pharisees particularly, as we'll come on to, to this bunch of people, I've met this guy, and I really need you to meet him as well. There's a sense of this interaction between these folks who may have been outcasts, those that were that on the edge of society, the rough diamonds, and Jesus over this meal. Without hammering the point again too much, because you've heard what I've got to say about eating. But there is something that is just wonderful about the gathered feast wherein there's this sense of introducing and chatting naturally and of sharing stories. What do you do when you get together with friends and eat? Uh, Unless you're very monastic and you choose to sit in complete silence whilst you kind of sup your gruel. Um, Actually, what you do normally is you share your stories, don't you? You talk about life. Well, when we talk about life and the stories that we share, well, we're, we're introducing people to Jesus, at least If we're not, well, there's a good challenge for us, yeah? The difference that God's made in our lives, in conversation, naturally, over a meal. As others are telling their tales, well, we share ours and introduce them to Jesus. This is what's going on in Levi's house over this food. Levi is introducing these folks to Jesus. They're in the flesh. And then we get to the point that Luke continually makes through this gospel and indeed contrasts on as he continues on to write into the book of Acts beyond. This whole um, uh, juxtaposition between where Jesus is and where those that are in the Jewish sect, the Pharisees, are, and the clash between the two. The Pharisees, who frankly have already had a few goes at Jesus for various different things, not least of all for claiming that you can forgive people of their sins, um, or at him again. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law that belong to their sect complain to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? This is really quite significant, you see, because there are, if you like, two um, frames of mind, two approaches. And we see this through the whole of church history, here and all the way through church history. One is a sense of withdrawal, and isolation, um, with good intent, with good intent. The Pharisees weren't being, going out of the way to be objectionable, but if you like, their principle was, in order to live a holy and righteous life, in a strive to be pious, we cannot mix with anyone or anything that appears to contravene our laws, some of which were God's laws. And so there is withdrawal from those groups of people. Because of that, clearly, when this Rabbi Jesus sits down with a bunch 
of thieves who are working for the enemy, that doesn't wash well with the Pharisees. Jesus models a different approach, one that we ought to follow. And it's not one of withdrawal, but rather one of engagement. It's one that recognises those people that are the outcasts, the rough diamonds, those that appear far from God. Beyond redemption, that dreadful phrase, is there anyone? Beyond redemption? But it's to those, it's to those people that Jesus goes and sits down and eats with and mixes with. I want for this to be a challenge to me and to be a challenge to you as individuals and as church. Not to withdraw in an attempt for some form of religiosity or of, of piousness, a, a, a desire to somehow be able to sanctify yourself. This is not possible. Please, friends, it is not possible. But rather one of engagement with those folks. And then there's another point that I'd just like to make. You see, I'm a culprit of this as well. And I think probably quite a few of us are. What we'll do is, we'll go as far as to engage with those that seem to be on the edges of things. Then we chuck the banquet and invite them to come to us, to, to our place, and to eat our food, and um, for us to be in a relative position of, of power in that place. Jesus doesn't do that. He goes to the banquet of the sinner. He puts himself in a place of vulnerability. He puts himself not in a place of power, but actually in a lowly place, a humble place. This, the one who is the Messiah, the God of glory. And of course, it's no surprise as you continue to read through the New Testament, through the Gospels and on into the letters, for the one that laid aside his majesty, for the one that humbled himself, even, even to death and death on a cross. This is, this is the nature of this one who we are followers of. So what does that humility and that act of vulnerability look like for us and in our communities, particularly with those that are beyond the church? I mean, it might look like something dramatic and it might look like something quite natural, but actually, I think us putting ourselves in that place where those folks are there's something deeply incarnational about that, the life of Jesus, God incarnate, the God that comes to us. But also, there's this sense of being invited to follow in that, that Jesus asks of Levi. And I don't know, we'll never know until glory, how many that were at this banquet also chose to follow Jesus. We just won't know. But there is this lovely sense of interaction, of humility, this is, if you like, mission, yeah, but with a very lowly and humble cap on. And it's one that is not me being the one that's doing for you, but allowing you to do for me. And in that place, sharing my story. What does that look like for me? And what does that look like for you? Jesus then reiterates in very, this famous phrase. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Pharisees, 
lifted up. Yeah? Those who are trying to be pious by your withdrawal from society, by your rejection of some of these folks, by your lack of interaction with these guys, listen up. It's not the righteous that I've come for, but the sick. The healthy don't need a doctor. This, this I think, is um, something which resonates down to us today. And in all of us, there is this potential, I think, without recognising it, to take on something of the Pharisee. This is possibly one of the criticisms of the church over the, t- over the years. I, I recently um, uh, just drew together the, what might, I'm hoping to be the beginnings of a national network of, of millennials um, who happen to be associated with Baptist churches, 18 to 35-year-olds. Uh, and we spoke about faith. These are the guys that are still involved one way or another with the Christian church. Um, and we spoke about faith and we spoke about church. And, and one of the big things that they, that they critiqued about the church that they saw, which put them off, was a lack of integrity. It was a sense of saying certain things but not actually doing them. And, in some cases, a judgmentalism. That actually the church's voice in society was a, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. That it's, it's, It almost seems a little bit like a pharisaical withdrawal rather than an engagement with. Now, I do believe that there is a place for us to actually be clear about what God says to us in his word. There's a a place for us to be vocal about those things. But if that isn't backed up by a a, a Jesus-like lifestyle, which is not one of shouting from the edge to the crowd, but it's one of mixing with the crowd and demonstrating a different way of life, and within that context to speak the truth of God... If that's not what we are, then increasingly people will disassociate with church. We only have one or two generations left that will associate with church because of any sense of duty or because of any sense of family history. 18 to 35s genuinely have never heard a story of Jesus. I mean, I kind of count myself as towards that end. I'm not too much beyond that. But I can remember when I was a kid, assemblies in school, that I heard stories of Jesus. 18s and 35s can't remember that. Not at all. Uh, Bishop Graham Cray tells this, this sad story of, of, at the end of a Eucharist, a, a, a communion service, um, in, I'm guessing, what would have been a, a high church or possibly a cathedral. Um, the church was open, and, and a, a young lady walked in, probably 18 or 19, and said, so, so uh, what's that about, pointing at the crucifix that was on the altar? Uh, and so, slightly taken aback, he explained a little bit about the cross and about Jesus. She pulled a crucifix on a necklace from around her neck and she said, I've always wondered who that little guy was. And, and she, she wasn't joking. This is, this, is, this is the generation of people, right, that, that, that is, if you like, the mission field for today and for tomorrow. Not one that's got any latent sense of knowledge of God or of scripture or of anything. And all they hear of the church is 
bad, bad, bad of, of stories of, uh, of abuse and, and of judgmentalism uh, and of detachment. And guys, this is, this is the, the, the landscape. Well, here is the answer. As a famous theologian once said, whatever your question, the answer is Jesus. Uh, and and here, here is the answer. Uh, to, to be one that is engaged rather than withdrawn. To be one that is humble and vulnerable rather than in a position of power. To do that necessarily so. One that actually is there and accessible to all. The roughest of diamonds. Not judging them, but just saying follow. Uh, and the one that in, as we read on, the one who would give himself completely. This is the one who we follow. We've not got enough time today. We really haven't got enough time today. God, God bless you for your patience with me. No one's chipped anything at me, and that's, that's a blessing. Um, uh, we've got, not got enough time today to move on to the next bit. Suffice it to say that actually some of these words, the, the, the new wine and old wineskins, this is very familiar. Um, it's sometimes used by certain quarters of the church, this kind of language, to beat the established church with. We don't want the old wineskin. We want new. Right? Um, that's not the context that it's written in. Um, hear that clearly. Um, and actually what, what's going on here is, is Jesus is, is contrasting to the Pharisees that actually there is something new that is hand. The kingdom of God is here. Hello, here I am. The kingdom of God is here. There is something that is new that's happening. And, and, and so therefore, this Judaism, the, this Pharisaical Judaism, contrasts the kingdom of God, the new, him in the kingdom of God, with that sect that, that pharisaical view of, of Judaism. And, and that's what actually he's contrasting. Yet actually maybe there are some questions for us as God's church as well. Sometimes do we end up a little bit kind of so about our own little laws that we can't get past them. Um, one of the things in the Baptist world, amongst others, that is a wonderful thing which can become legalistic is the whole thing when we've spoken about this the whole thing of mem- membership of Baptist churches yeah and uh, so, so um, I've, I've looked and belonging to God's church is most definitely most definitely in the Bible a sense of family and community is most definitely in scripture Baptist membership per se I can't really even I've looked in the appendix as well um, so, so the, there, there are certain things not necessarily bad things But if these things become a block to the kingdom of God, if these things basically get in the way of God's kingdom, then maybe we need to think again for the sake of God's kingdom.